Mary City. Thank you, Brian. Good morning, everybody. God's blessing to you. Great to have everybody. Welcome, uh, especially to our, our, our guests, our special guests with us today. We're so happy to be here. And welcome to my, my uh, lovely uh, stepdaughter, Jean, and uh, beautiful grandchildren, Aaron and Bella. <laughs> Great to have you guys with us. Yes, 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 yes. Um, uh, I forgot to mention a couple of things. Last week, we had a special Mother's Day, and a couple of the moms made little gifts for all the mothers. One of them was Ellen Grant made some beautiful pot scrubbers. She made them by hand, and she gave them out to all the mothers. So thank you, Ellen, for that. <laughs> My wife is using that uh, regularly. <laughs> well, actually, I do the dishes, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But, uh, and my wife did uh, some pans, pans with the scriptures on it, and she did a beautiful job on that. She put that together for you guys. So thank you for lovely. Um, also, Joe and Lupe and Mary Cretion and Brian, I wanted to mention they went. You remember we had the speaker from the Christian Beret, and he talked about a day to come up and help clean the camp? Well, they did that. About two weeks ago, they went up and cleaned the camp at Christian Beret. So thank you, Joe, for doing that. And Lupe, yes, and Brian, that was very, very nice. And um, okay, so, well, we do have a couple prayers I want to mention. Um, we've got a couple people that just had surgery, are recovering. Uh, Paula, she's doing well. She sends her blessings and prayers to everyone. She had surgery. Betty as well is recovering from her surgery. So let's bow, bow in prayer for them, shall we? Father God, we just uh, come before you right now and we lift up our sisters, Betty and Paula. We, we pray for Betty that you continue to heal her and help her to get her rest and just uh, give her a good recovery from this surgery, Lord. Please minister to her body. Paula as well, Lord. Uh, please continue to, to minister. Let your Holy Spirit uh, just uh, give her healing, Lord, uh, in recovery of this surgery. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, everyone. Well, as we start today, I want to ask you a question. Has anyone ever heard of the Heimlich Maneuver? Oh, okay, almost just about everybody, huh? All right, Heimlich. Heimlich. Henry, Henry Heimlich. This, uh, this maneuver is a nationally known um, technique used... To, uh, uh, to, for uh, choking, those that are choking on food, okay, uh, used as a survival technique. It's basically a behind-the-back bear hug with an abdominal thrust, right? And the purpose is to eject whatever's obstructing uh, in, the, in, the, in the throat of the person who's, uh, who's in distress. This uh, maneuver is uh, something that's been taught ever since it started in 1974. It's been taught in schools. It's been uh, portrayed in movies. It's been uh, displayed in restaurant uh, posters. And it's been, in, uh, um, by the medical authorities, it's been given approval. And Dr. Henry Heimlich was the person that, uh, that developed this. He was a thorax surgeon, a maverick, a medical maverick, and he crusaded with this, you know, all over, all over the states, and he is now credited for saving the lives of an estimated 100,000 people. 
with this technique, okay? Uh, he now has uh, gone, uh, he has passed away. He died in 2016 at the age of 96. But six months before he died, he had a chance. This is his first time ever to actually use it in an emergency situation. There was a woman as, at a, a senior residence in Cincinnati that had, uh, was, was uh, choking on a morsel of meat. And this 87-year-old woman, uh, her name is Patty Reese, and they just happened to be sitting at the same table at the same dining area. She had t uh, bitten off some hamburger, and uh, all she says, you know, next thing I knew, I was choking so hard I could not breathe. So Heimlich, sitting across the table, he goes into action. He knows what to do, right? And so he, uh, he said, uh, you know, uh, what came shooting out of her mouth was a, a, a part, a piece of meat with a little bone on it. But he was so excited. This was the first time he had ever, you know, used it to actually save somebody that was close to death. This morning, we're going to look at someone in the scriptures who was close to death. His name is Lazarus. Lazarus. Lazarus was sitting, was lying on his bed in Bethany, close to uh, the village of Bethany, close to Jerusalem. And his sisters who lived with him, Mary and Martha, were trying to minister to help him the best they could. They did everything they could, but he just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So they called a servant girl. And they said to her, go get Jesus. Go find Jesus. And tell him, Lord, Lazarus, who you love, is sick. So she did. She ran to go find Jesus. And it took a while. He was in a hole. And she found him. And she told him. And what happened next puzzled, puzzled the people that was with Jesus. Because instead of hurrying to heal Lazarus, what did he do? He stayed. He stayed where he was. For two days. For two days. He did not, he did not go to see Lazarus. But he told the people that he was with, the disciples he was with, that this is for God's glory and that the Son of God might be glorified through this. Now, by the time Jesus reached Bethany, by the time Jesus reached Bethany, he, Lazarus was already dead. And he'd been dead for four days. Now Mary and her sister Martha were grieving, they were crying, they were deeply uh, in anguish. Mary saw Jesus coming, she, she walked out to meet him. And that's where we're going to pick up our reading, shall we? We are in John chapter 11, and we're going to verse 32 to 44. All right. <coughs> thank you, Jacob, for your good work in doing our PowerPoint, and thank you, my test for our PowerPoint for our songs this morning and, and getting that all together. So we are in John, John chapter 11, verses 32 to 44. And the scripture said this. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, and he was troubled. 
Where have you laid him? He, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how much he loved him? But some of them said, could not he have opened the eyes? He who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth wrapped around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Lazarus was dead. But he was given his life back to live again. You know, the Bible says you and I are dead, spiritually dead, before we come to know Jesus. But once we accept Christ as Lord, we're given spiritual life, eternal life, and new life. And that life we're given is to be lived by faith. We're given a, a life to be lived by faith, and our faith is to be lived. The Bible tells us our faith is alive. It's something we're to do. We're to live by faith. Put it into practice. Walk by faith. Let the Lord lead us by faith. You know, the Christian faith isn't just a list of things you believe in. It's a person that you believe on. Let me, let me, let me to you from E. Stanley Jones, a great missionary, he once said this. He said, the Christian faith is not about a set of propositions to be accepted, but a person to be followed. It's about a person to be followed. It's about following the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you open up your heart to him, he comes to live within you. He comes to live inside you. And, and we're to follow him and to practice, uh, to live our faith, to practice what he's telling us. We're going to take, take a look at two practices this morning from the scriptures. We just two practices uh, of our faith. And the first practice is this. Live your faith in how you love. All right? Live your faith in how you love. Earlier, we're told that Jesus loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary. He was very good friends with them. He had visited them frequently. And we're going to see that love, what, uh, what tra you see that love and what transpires Jesus comes to, 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 to witness what's going on after Lazarus had died. We're going to see that love. 
Verse, verse uh, 32, it says, When Mary reached the place where Jesus saw him, here Jesus came to see uh, uh, what was happening, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd only be here, my brother. Mary was expressing her faith in her Lord. She said she knew that he had the power to heal her brother, if only. If only. What did she say? If only you had been here earlier, this would, my brother would not have died. Isn't it true? Isn't it true sometimes God allows things to get worse, better? <laughs> uh, isn't it true? God works his purposes in his time. Was there a purpose for Lazarus dying? Yes, there was. It was, it was for God's glory. Uh, Jesus said it's, it's, God, it's to God's glory and that the Son of Man be glorified uh, through this. Jesus, uh, the reason Jesus right away wasn't because he didn't love Lazarus. The reason Jesus, Jesus didn't come right away uh, was for that God would be glorified. God had a purpose for it all. God had a purpose for it all. And Jesus came, and he saw them weeping in verse 33. He saw them weeping. And when he saw them weeping and the Jews, uh, he was deeply moved, and he was deeply troubled. What was going on here? The word troubled in the original language, it's interestingly enough, has, all has to do suggesting anger. You see, Jesus had mixed emotions. Uh, Jesus was angry at the sorrow, at the pain, at the death that sin had brought into our world. Uh, he was angry, you see, because the sorrow, the pain, the death in our world is, is because our world is broken. Broken because of sin. That sin that is... That is uh, uh, Come upon Jesus was angry at sin, but he was he had sympathy for Mary. His heart went out to Mary. Uh, he was uh, sympathizing with her. He was engaged with her feelings. He was engaged with her grief, and he was grieving with her. He wasn't grieving to Lazarus. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead. He was grieving for Mary. He was grieving. Verse 30, verse uh, 34 to 36. For what she was going through, going through the anguish she was going through, the pain she was going through. Verse 34 to 36. It says this. Jesus says, where have you laid him? He asked, come and see, Lord, they replied. And then these famous words, actually the shortest verse in the Bible, for a little trivia there. Jesus His love by how he cared for Mary. He showed his, he showed how much he loved. He showed, and we should, we're to live, you're to live your faith. I'm to live my faith by showing your love, by showing how you care. Showing how you care. Jesus is the Son of God and God the Son. He cares. Now, this was a fort. To the Greeks in Jesus' time. You see, the Greeks had an idea about God that he had no emotions. 
God was isolated. He, 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 was, he had no passion. He had no compassion. God, if he had no feelings, he had no sympathy. But you see, the God of the Bible does have feelings. The God of the Bible does care. The Bible says it this way. He, he grieves at our sin. He rejoices at our obedience. And he cares sorrows. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your sin for he cares for you. He cares for you. God cares. God cares. Jesus was showing how God cares. He was showing how God cares. We're to live, live your faith. It means showing your faith is not dead, but it's alive. One way you know you're alive is if you're feeling pain, okay? Jesus was feeling the pain, <coughs> excuse me, with Mary. He was sympathizing with her. One way of showing, you, you know your nerves are alive if your nerves are feeling pain, all right, like I, I, uh, sometimes I, I, if I, if I slam my hand in the door, my finger in the door, which has happened, I know I'm alive, <laughs> right? Ah, uh, you know, I don't, I don't swear. I say, what do I say, love? I caramba, <laughs> but I don't swear. <laughs> but you know, you're alive. You're feeling pain. Uh, uh, on a serious note. On a serious note, there's a debate going on in our country right now, raging really on the subject of abortion. Now, scientists tell us, scientists tell us, they, they agree on one thing. Whatever side you're on, they agree on this. At the 20th week in the womb, the, the unborn baby feels pain. That's why they passed, they, they passed off requiring doctors to the fetus or unborn baby prior to performing abortion if it's 20 weeks or beyond. Human being feels pain. Mary was feeling pain. Jesus was engaged uh, with her feeling the pain. Uh, uh, Rick Warren, talk, he talks about the fellowship the fellowship of sympathy, having sympathy for one another. And he says this in his book, Press Driven Life. He says this. Sympathy is not or offering a quick call. He said sympathy is in and sharing the pain of others. He says this. He says sympathy says I understand going through and what you feel is neither strange nor crazy. He says today some people call it empathy, but the biblical word is sympathy. Colossians, he says, Colossians, as a holy people, be sympathetic Kind, humble, gentle, and patient. Sympathy. Experiencing, being willing to experience what someone else is going through. He goes on, he goes on to say this. He goes on to say this. He says, sympathy meets two fundamental human needs. The need, number one, to be understood. And the need, number two, to have your feelings validated. In other words, to realize your feelings are important. They're important enough for you to be involved with, <coughs> to be engaged with. Sympathy. Jesus had sympathy for Mary when he wept. He showed his sympathy by his love. He showed his sympathy by his love. 
You live your faith. Live your faith by showing how you love. Showing your sympathy. Romans 12, verse 15 says it this way. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Some of you know this. Weep with those who weep. That's right. You know, even little toddlers, even little toddlers uh, can know about this, you know, out of the mouths of babes, right? My wife, Tess, likes to tell the story about her little grandchild, two-year-old Catalina. And the day she learned that she had a conscience, this is a couple weeks ago, little Catalina, uh, uh, Tess uh, did something that Catalina was upset about, so Catalina gave her a little tap on the leg, showing her, you know, she was, didn't like that. So Tess, she pretended she was afraid, uh, scared, I mean, uh, sad. So she covered her mouth, covered her face, and then uh, Catalina was just staring at her. And then she, she opened her, opened her uh, you know, so she could see her. And, and then she had a real sad face, and Catalina was looking at her with a real pouty face. And all of a sudden, these little tears, little eyes started to fill up with tears. She had a little tear coming out. And then she started to walk away. And then she started to walk away. And then uh, uh, Tess opened up her arms, and she came running in. All right? She came running in. But that's the day. That's the day she learned. She said that she, her granddaughter has a conscience. What does the Bible say? Weep with those who weep. Jesus wept with Mary. She, he showed his love in his, in his sympathy, and so should we. So should we. The first practice of living your faith is, is living it, living it in how you love, in how you care. Secondly, the second practice of living your faith is this. Live it in how you pray. Live it in how you pray. Verse 37. It says this. But some of them, uh, some of them said, could not he open the eyes of the blind man? Uh, he who opened the eyes of the blind man kept this man from dying? Hmm. All right. You know, they knew Jesus had a power in his life. And that power in Jesus' life had to do with his relationship with the Father. Philippians chapter 2 tells us all about it. It says, when he came and took on human nature, Jesus emptied himself. What did he empty himself of? He emptied himself of his heavenly glory and his ability to independently act as God. He became the tech. Totally dependent upon the Father for everything that he did. Jesus, and he maintained that relationship with the Father through prayer. Through prayer. Jesus models prayer for us. He models how to live, live our faith in, in maintaining our relationship through prayer. And he was devoted to it, and so should we. Amen? Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourself to prayer. May 5th this year was the National Day of Prayer. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Pew Research has, did a study. And they, and they said, you know, even though America now is less churched, you know, it's less churched, America still likes to pray, okay? They found 55% of the people that they surveyed pray every day in America that they survey. Not only that, but of those who call themselves uh, un unaffiliated, religiously unaffiliated, 21% 
said they pray every day. And in another survey, 76% of the Americans that they surveyed agreed with the statement that prayer is an important part of my life. See, Americans believe in prayer. Now, what prayer, what prayer does God hear? What prayers do, does God hear? God hears the prayers of those whose sins have been forgiven. You see, our sin separates us from God. Our, our, our sins keep Him from hearing us. And it says this in the, book of, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. It says, but your iniquities, Isaiah 59, 2, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you. So he will not hear you. You see, God will not hear us if we cherish iniquity in our hearts. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came that, and died on the cross and shed his blood. So through his blood, we can have forgiveness of our sins. Ephesians 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. God hears those whose sins have been forgiven. When we confess our sins to God and when we turn from our sins and turn to Jesus Christ, we're forgiven. We're cleansed. The line of communication is open. There's no more separation. Our relationship with God is secure. And we need to maintain that relationship, maintain that relationship, right, through prayer. Through prayer. Live your life in how you pray. Live your life in how you pray. You know, prayer, maintaining your relationship with God. Jesus, Jesus did. I mean, prayer was essential in his life. Jesus prayed at his baptism, and, and the heaven, heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit came down as a dove. Jesus prayed when he, he went up on the hills and he prayed all night long before he chose the 12 disciples. Jesus, before he fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fishes, before he performed that miracle, he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks to God in prayer. Jesus, the night before he died in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was crucified, he prayed and he sweat drops. Uh, his sweat was like drops of blood. Jesus, when he died upon the cross, those who stood underneath and looked up, heard him pray his very last words on this earth. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit as he prayed. Prayer was an essential part of Jesus' life, and it should be for ours. Amen? He wants us to maintain that relationship with the Father. And with himself, with himself through prayer. Verse 38. Verse 38. Jesus had asked where they laid Lazarus' body. And they told him. And now they were leading him. And Mary was following him. And in verse 38, it says this. It says, Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. He came to the tomb. And the next thing that happened was this. He gave a command that Martha protested. She did it respectfully, but she protested. Verse, verse 39. 
Verse 39. Jesus gives this command, take away the stone. Martha protests. What does she say? She says, Lord, by this time, there's a bad odor. He's been in there for four days. She was, <coughs> she was concerned about the decay of the body. The New, New American Translation says this. There's a stench. There's going to be a stench. It's the smell of death. Did you know the Bible says Christians are the smell of death? To those who are perishing? Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about Christians <coughs> who are living their faith, who are sharing their faith, who are the aroma of Christ. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16, Paul says it this way. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. The one, to the one, to the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, we are the fragrance of life. Why is it? Because those who reject the message of Jesus Christ, we're the smell of death because they are, they are, they, they've already chosen eternal death for themselves. But we are the fragrance of life to those who will receive it, to those who will receive the message of Jesus. We are the fragrance of life. Martha was afraid of the, the aroma, the odor, odor. And then Jesus prayed. Jesus responded to Martha. He responded to her protest in verse 40, and he said this. He said, Martha, did I not tell you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And then the next thing we hear is a grinding sound, the grinding sound of rocks as they roll the stone away from the tomb. They rolled the stone away. <laughs> Jesus, excuse me. I'm those allergies and asthma don't mix well. Jesus, Jesus prays like Hannah prayed last week. Do you remember? She prayed a silent prayer in front of Eli the priest. Jesus prays a silent prayer to Heavenly Father. And then what we see, what we see is the end of that prayer. Let's take a look. Verse 42. Jesus, uh, verse 41 rather. Jesus says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. You see, the lesson God wants us to learn about prayer in this instance is to pray in faith, pray believing. If you come to God with a clean heart, and, and you make your request to God, you know that he hears you. You know that. Matthew 7, 7, uh, uh, ask and it will be given unto you. You know that he hears you and you know that he's going to answer you. Uh, it, it might not always be the answer you want, <laughs> right? But you know that he hears you. So what do you do? You do what Jesus said. Thank you, Lord, that you heard me. Thank you, Lord, that you've answered me. It's as good as done. You know God heard you. That's what you call a prayer of faith. End it with a thanks, amen? End it with a thanks. That means you believe. 
you believe God is going to answer that prayer. Jesus, then Jesus. Jesus, verse 41. He thanked God that he always, always hears. And then it happened. And it happened. The miracle. The miracle that would cause many Jews there to believe. The miracle. The miracle of, of, of calling out to the dead by him who is the resurrection and the life. The miracle. The miracle of a dead man hearing the voice of the Savior and obeying. Well, he's obeying Jesus Christ. Verse 44. Verse 43. It says this. When he said this, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Mary and Martha huddled together. The Jews that were standing there, they were frozen as they watched. This figure of white and white came out, came out. Verse 44, verse 44 says, the, the dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth wrapped around his face. Then Jesus gave this next command, and it was obeyed with fear and trembling. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. They did it. They did it. And here was Lazarus standing strong and whole and alive. Your faith is to be alive like Lazarus. Live your faith. It's a living faith. It's a faith that we're to live. That we're to live. It's a lot. Uh, we should live it by living faith and live it, you know, live it in prayer. Live it and maintain your relationship with God. Listen to this. Live your faith following the person of Jesus Christ. Not just a set of beliefs. You're following a living Lord. Live your faith in how you love. Engage in your heart in the hurts of others. Being willing to share in the pain and weep with those who weep. Jesus did. He gives us the example when he wept right along with Mary. Not only live your faith in how you love, but live your faith in how you pray. Live your faith in how you pray. Devote yourself to it. Prayer should be essential, an essential part of your life. It was for Jesus in everything he did. Let your prayers be prayers of faith. Thank God. Thank him that he hears you. Thank him that he's answered you. Thank him in advance. Live your life by putting your faith into practice. Henry, Hel Henry Heimlich knew what to do to save someone's life from choking to death on food. Millions, maybe millions of people have had, had, know about this. I, almost everybody in this room raised your hand when I asked. Many stories have been told of breathless, breathless brink of death rescues. They've been told by movie stars. They've been told by politicians about how their lives were saved. And Henry, Henry Heimlich finally, finally got to practice what he preached. Huh? He got to put it into action. He put, he put what he knew into action. That's what God wants you and me to do with our faith. 
Put what you know into action. Live your faith as you follow your Lord. Amen? Live your faith. Live your faith. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word that speaks to us. 